Amen, amen. You know, we should always have the, the words of praise to our great God on our lips and be ready to testify of His goodness in our life and just the blessing that we have as being part of the family of God, that we have been purchased, that we have been redeemed, that we have passed from death to life, not of our own doing, but in His grace and through faith. We are grateful uh, this morning to worship together. If you are joining us uh, online, we are so grateful uh, that you are, are taking time to be with us this morning. We encourage you to, uh, to share uh, this stream. If you're watching on one of our social media uh, platforms, we'd love for you to share this and just help us to uh, connect folks uh, in this morning. I want to thank you for uh, just the blessing that each of you uh, are to me and, and just the way that you're walking through uh, this unusual time uh, that you're still uh, putting love in action and and just serving uh, one another in love. Uh, thankful for that. Uh, it was a blessing to hear this week. Uh, for those of you that may not have been aware of it, our uh, brotherhood combined with our Cowie Gems have been uh, delivering uh, produce, uh, fruits and vegetables. They've been delivering uh, chicken. There's all kind of things that have been taking place there. I think they've delivered uh, more than, it was like 2,300 pounds of fruits and vegetables over the last six weeks to many families uh, in our area. And I just thank God there, there's been groups that have served and worked uh, with CareNet. And we continue to look for ways that we can put uh, God's love in action in the midst of this unusual time. Uh, happy Father's Day uh, out there to all uh, you dads. I am uh, grateful uh, for the blessing of being a father and just the way that God uses uh, my kids, the way that God uses uh, just them to teach me so much about, uh, about him and about who I am uh, in, in the midst of uh, life as well, and uh, just a great responsibility and, and honor that we have to do that. And I thought in honor of Father's Day that we should probably share a few dad jokes this morning. So I reached out uh, on Instagram and in a few places and tried to get some good input from some of you, and I, I tried to tell some of them at home yesterday and what I found out in telling those jokes is that the only people that laughed was me and Grant mostly me um, when I would tell them and that's one of the great things about a dad joke now Sherry uh, I was telling some of them and she just looked at me and she said so usually your jokes are funny but these aren't so uh, I'm just thinking it's for us dads so we'll see but, but I do want to say it's uh, a little bit inappropriate to make a dad joke if you're not a dad it's a faux pas okay so Nobody got that. Um, it was supposed to be good. Um, it's a faux pas. Yeah, come on. I mean, and and Kelly kind of. Oh, I got a I got a boo on that one. So, so Kelly uh, shared one of her favorites. She said that uh, that never trust the stairs because they're always up to something. Yeah, come on. Uh, in my D group on Wednesday, one of the guys uh, shared this one. I was asking them for one, and he said, you know, he said, I've been uh, using the word mucho with a lot of my Spanish-speaking friends lately. It means a lot to them. It does. Um, oh, man, I used to hate facial hair, but, but it grew on me. And I'll just be honest, I, I mean, I kind of do love telling dad jokes. And sometimes he laughs. Um, it's just a, a good thing. Um, so, you know, as we think about 
these silly kind of little jokes and things that were there. I did have somebody share one. They said his favorite one. I believe it was Trevor uh, Trammell said that his favorite uh, dad joke uh, was that there was a magician that was walking down the street, and he turned into a grocery store. Now, that's impressive. So, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, but, but they're dad jokes. I mean, they're, they're dad jokes. They're supposed to be a little... Uh, corny, but you know sometimes we may be remembered for some of those things. I remember, you know, pretty much any time we gather, my dad's always telling uh, some kind of joke or some kind of thing that's there, and you know we we want to be remembered for uh, certain things, and and maybe it's not those dad jokes that we want to be remembered for, but what is it that we really want to to be known for? And I love, I've shared with you before, I love the song Only Jesus by Casting Crowns. And if you're following along in the app, I put these lyrics in there. But I want to share just a, a part of that song. He says, all the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's said and done. Because all that really mattered, did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there is only one name that will last forever? And I want to talk to us today about leaving a legacy of faith. Because in reality, you know, we think a lot of times about what we may pass on to our children. Maybe if we're parents here, you might say, you know what, I think about what I might uh, pass on to them, what kind of things will I leave behind? And many times when we think about legacy, we're thinking about uh, things like uh, money or, or, or maybe we leave certain things. But as I've been walking through this series and as I've been looking at the life of Joseph and then uh, today at the life of Jacob as well, what we see in this passage is some people that left a legacy of faith. Now, we have been looking at the life of Joseph. And fact is, his life was anything but normal. We started out this series with this thought that we are really missing normal. And while Joseph's life was anything but normal, I think we would all say that his life was a life that was filled with faith in God, that, that reflected his belief in God. And I wonder, what is it that we would want to remember about him. I want you to think about all the things that we've talked about in the life of Joseph, all the things that we've looked at, the way that he, he did so many things that were contrary to the culture. You know, I think, how would we remember him? Would we say something like, by faith, uh, God used Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, and he used him to save the lives of many, including his own brothers. By faith, he chose character over compromise, and and endured wrongful punishment. He was restored, and God used him to save his people. Maybe we'd say, you know what? By faith, he resisted bitterness when the world seemed so against him. When he was sold into slavery by his own family. When he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife. When he walked through all those things. He resisted temptation. He suffered in prison. He was reunited with them, and God used him in such a great way. What would we remember him? What would be the thing that you think would be listed or, or talked about in his life? What about his dad? What would he say? Like, what would we remember Jacob by? And there's a lot of things that 
I, I read about in Jacob's life, and, and even in Joseph's, like I, I don't think he'd want to be remembered for the arrogance that he had as a teenager when he was dealing with his brothers and when he was navigating some of those things. I don't think Jacob would want to be remembered for the partiality that he showed to his children for the way that he navigated things and being just really a passive father in so many ways. But what would we say about him? And we, we didn't really look at this story, but I think somehow it would say something like this. By faith, Jacob wrestled with God and would not turn loose until God blessed him, right? And I, I wonder sometimes in our life, you know, what would it look like if we got a burden and we, uh, sometimes God answers those requests and our prayers in certain ways, but what would it be like if we really just leaned in and just, I, I think about him wrestling with God all night. Really crazy. There's a lot of things to record, but I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at uh, what the Lord wanted us to remember about these two guys. And we're going to see something about that, I think, today that we can apply uh, to our life, no matter whether we're a dad, uh, but as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, think about all those things that are recorded. When I read these verses in the book of Hebrews, I'm thinking, really? That's all we get? Like, after all that, this is what this is what the writer of Hebrews was inspired by the Holy Spirit to record uh, for those people so that they would remember this about their lives. Look at verse 21 and 22 with me. Verse 21 says this, By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. And that's, I kind of see that with Jacob. I'm like, okay. And here, Joseph, he says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Now, this is what God inspired the writer of Hebrews to record. These two moments at the very end of their life. And I'm thinking, why is it that this is what would be remembered? Because I'm thinking, if I'm Joseph, I, I would have picked some completely different things. Now, last week, when we... Uh, when we left off, we were in a spot where Joseph had uh, revealed himself, who he was, his identity to his brothers. And in verse 21, as we look today, it says that by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph. So we know from that, that uh, since we left off last week, that there was a reunion that had taken place, that there was something uh, amazing that had happened. And now, we saw last week Joseph demonstrate this incredible grace to his brothers. We see this picture where he extends forgiveness to those that had sold him into slavery, that had caused all those things, and he allows them to see uh, just this perspective that, that caused him to see everything through a different lens. Now, we're reminded of his words, right, He, he as he shared uh, with his brothers, he says, Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here because God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph was seeing things through a bigger picture. And in these verses, when we see the end of the life of Jacob and the end of the life of Joseph, we see that these two guys were not looking uh, and, and that God did not want us to remember all of the accolades that they had achieved, that uh, all of the things that maybe Joseph had experienced in Egypt, the riches that were uh, entrusted to him, even how uh, Joseph did all these things to 
to save his brothers, to, uh, to deal with a situation of famine, how all those things, it didn't focus on those individual things, but I believe that it pointed us to this reality that they were focused on a bigger story. If you're following along the app, the first word is perspective, and I'm going to encourage you today to see life through a different lens, this big story perspective, because we realize that in our own lives, like a kid's worldview, like when you're two years old, they see the world uh, really as them at the center of it, right? That's how, that's one of the things that you can see about children. And I think that's also one of the things that you can see about mature Christians versus uh, those that are maybe babies or children in Christ, because when we look at the world, children many times can look at the world through a lens that says, it's all about me, especially young children. But we want to look at life through a different lens, through the gospel story, through a biblical worldview, so to speak. You know, there are people that believe that all that we see physically in front of us, that that's all that there is. But someone with a biblical worldview, someone who has encountered the risen Christ, they understand life through a different lens. They see life through the lens of the gospel, and they look at this creation, and they don't worship it, right? We've got to be careful because we can, as Romans 1 talks about, we can worship uh, the created instead of the creator. But those that understand life from a biblical worldview understand that. And, you know, when we begin in the book of Genesis, we see a garden and everything perfect. And and we're going to end today with the picture of a coffin, and we're going to see that through a biblical lens, we understand that we live in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of a world that has been tainted by sin that has been cursed uh, because of sin. And in the midst of that, we recognize that we have a redeeming Savior and that we've been uh, saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of our own good, but through the grace of God. And our primary existence and reason for existence is to glorify Him and to enjoy Him and to be in fellowship and relationship with Him through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see life through a different picture, perspective, is so important. So let, let's jump back into the restoration. So Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and we're going to see something in uh, just the immediate verses he does that. He says, I am Joseph. And if you remember when he said, I'm Joseph, the very next thing that came out of his mouth was, is my father still alive? Is my father still alive. So we see, number one, we see perspective in this story that we're part of a bigger story. And we see that in these verses in Hebrews about Jacob and Joseph, that there was a bigger story that was going on. We see, uh, number two, we see priority in Joseph's life. Now he had said, hey, you know what? The Lord has granted me these blessings. When When his children were born, he said, you know what? God has given me these blessings and I've forgotten all these things uh, that have happened. He's allowed me to forget all the trials, all the difficulties, all those things. But I want you to know when his brothers were in his presence and he looked at them, he had not forgotten his family. And we see this picture of priority in these last verses as we see Jacob blessing Joseph. As Joseph is, is looking after his father and desiring to have his family uh, taken care of. And we see in this passage how that worked. We see that family matters. And I want to encourage you today as parents, as grandparents, as children. And family is important. And Joseph didn't forget his family. God allowed him to forget his troubles, but not his family. You know, the writer of Hebrews takes us to this moment 
And there's this moment in Jacob's life where he blessed his grandkids and, and he uh, allows them. He said, they're, 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 uh, two are going to be considered just like one of mine. And we're going to look next week and see kind of the blessings of, of, the, of the tribes of Israel and all the things that are coming out of Jacob's sons. And we're going to see how that uh, works, Lord willing. But as we see that, he has a priority of passing the faith down to not only his children, but to his grandchildren. And really, as parents, we don't know how well we're doing as a parent until we're able to see our kids raising their kids. And we're seeing them impact the next generation. And here we see this picture of, of Jacob blessing his grandkids. And if you read uh, this passage, you'll see just some incredible things that he is reminding of in the midst. Verse 21, he says, By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph as he wor and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. Then verse 21, that's in, in Genesis 48. You can read about those things. In verse 21 of chapter 48, Scripture records this. Says, then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back into the land of your fathers. Now, we're going to see that Joseph did not die in the land of his fathers, but that his bones, as it records, were transported there uh, from the Exodus and then through this wandering, all those things that, that he ended up uh, in the promised land. But, but I want to give you this word promises. So we see this perspective that they had. They're seeing life through the lens of a bigger story. They have priorities and they understand that family matters in the midst of these things. And they're intent because God has uh, called us as grandparents and as parents to disciple uh, this our generation, right? These, these kids that we see this uh, picture of being fruitful and multiplying in the very beginning. And it was God's plan that his people would teach uh, their children. They would train them up in the way that they should go, that they would, uh, that they would teach them the ways of God. We see this Deuteronomy 6 picture. And here is God's plan for us to engage. And so family matters. We see this as a priority. And then we see the word promises. When we look at this, they remember the promises of God. Jacob remembers. Now, he has had it made in Egypt, so to speak. They have uh, given him, uh, that Pharaoh has made sure that they have everything that they need in light of all that Joseph has done. Uh, he has, has lived well in the midst of those moments. But he remembers where home is. And I want to remind you, I don't know how good that we're living, how difficult times that we're walking through. I want you to know that the, the, the blessings of the promised land and the promises of God and the, and the, the, the world, the kingdom that we are part of is greater than the, the, the treasures of this life, and it's also greater than the trials of this life. No matter what we're facing, no matter what blessings that we're experiencing, and even though Jacob had been blessed with all these things of Egypt, that he had been blessed with all the things of this world, so to speak, he still remembered that this world was not his home. And he remembered the promises of God. He remembered the covenant that God had made with his grandfather Abraham, right? He remembered those things. He had lived good in Egypt, but he remembered the promises of God. And God had remembered him. Look at verse 22 in Hebrews 11. We look at the life of Joseph and we think about what would be recorded of him. And it says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel. He said, you know what? Even though he'd been elevated into all these things, he was still looking for home. And he was still making sure that 
that, that his children, those around him, understood that this was not home. And he made mention of this time when God was going to deliver his people to the promised land. And when, when he did this, he gave orders concerning all of his bones. Now, this is a man who we, we picked up the story. He was 17 years old. He had spent so much, all of his adult life in Egypt. He had spent all that time there. He was a fourth generation heir of the promise. And in reality, in these moments, there was no fulfillment in sight. Fact is, there was nobody. By the time of his death, there was none of Abraham's uh, descendants, these descendants of promise. There were none of them that were in the promised land at all. None of them are living there. But here he was speaking of the Exodus. And he's saying, by the way, when that happens, don't you leave my bones over here uh, in Egypt. Don't leave them there because I want you to take them away. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like those moments in, in the midst of the Exodus? You remember that in the, the old Passover story? And they're saying, hey, we want you to, we want you to make sure you got your staff in your hand and you're going to be ready to go. And, don't, and, and I'm sure there's somebody there that's like responsible for Joseph's bones. Like, like we're going to do all this and this is fixing to come down. And don't forget his bones because we're going to be carrying those things uh, uh, with us for a while. And we're going to make sure that we fulfill those uh, promises. And, and Joseph was carried back to Canaan's land after he died, right? And he was only going to be satisfied if his bones could be buried there. And, and we think of that like it was something right away, but there was a season of time uh, that took place. There was uh, many years that took place between this b before his bones were actually taken there. But I want you to see something in this even though Joseph had experienced the blessings of this world in Egypt, even though he had experienced all of those things, his heart had always been there. And in both of these men, in both of these dads, we see some things that I think all of us would be well to reflect on. I'm going to repeat a few of them and add just a couple of things and then land this plane. But we see perspective, right? They see life through the lens of the, the bigger story, and I want to encourage you to see life through the lens of the big story, of God's story, because we are a moment on the mission of God, and He is working, and we, uh, we must not see life as all about us, but as uh, our blessing that God has allowed us, has saved us, and allows us to be part of His story and to be on mission for the glory of his name. We see priorities, right? That family matters. That, you know, this pandemic has slowed our culture. This pandemic has changed so many things about our lives. It's changed much of the activities that we've been used to doing. It's changed so many things about our lives. And I want to encourage you, parents and grandparents, that we might redeem the time. Don't wait for the last days to be able to make an impact. Many times people lean in in those last days. And I've been around the side of many people in those last days as they have walked toward eternity. And it's been incredible how, they, how important things that they will share and the people that will lean in in those moments. But I believe sometimes it's so many things are shared in those final moments is because in the first moments and in the moments that we have, there's been too many other things that have crowded out the important things that we should share and pass on to the next generation. So we need to 
tell them the story. You know, I was so excited when I was hearing uh, the, the worship group uh, this morning to sing Testify because uh, that was a part of this sermon. And I, and I was thinking, you know what? We need to testify. That's who we need to be. We need to tell the story. And that's what Jacob did to his grandsons. I wish I had time to read that whole chapter. But, but as we look at that, that's what he's doing. He's testifying. He's sharing with them uh, of the faithfulness of God in the Scriptures, of all the things uh, that he's done in their life. But most importantly, not only what he's done uh, in our life and the blessings that he has provided for us, but in the gospel that, that he has given Jesus for, that the gospel that, that, that we have, and, and we need to have the words of the gospel on our lips. Because the truth is, the failure to pass down the faith to the next generation will result in a generation who does not know God. You know, it's easy to forget God in the midst of enjoying all the blessings of this world. It's easy to forget those kind of things. You know, I was asking people what some of the things that their father had taught them and saw things like respect and to love and to work hard and to do all those kind of things. And I thank God for uh, things like that that my father taught me. But I remember him teaching me when we would slop the old hogs. Uh, and I've shared with you before, we would take food out for uh, the pigs and the hogs, and we would take it out there, and when we would pour it in there, uh, those hogs would dive into that stuff, and my dad would always say, I, I don't know how many times he said it, uh, sometimes us dads, we can repeat things over and over, especially if they mean something to us, I'm reminded of that uh, by my kids sometimes, but I can remember him saying over and over, he said, son, you don't want to be like one of those old hogs where you just enjoy and consume all the things people give you, and never look up to see where it's coming from. And in the midst of the blessing, it's very easy for us to get consumed with all the things and the ways that God has blessed us and forget where it came from. And, and, and I believe here when Jacob is, is blessing uh, his grandchildren, when he's talking to uh, his kids, we see this picture of him leaning on his staff and worshiping God. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? What is the, the significance of that staff, but it's it's my understanding that in that culture that you know there wasn't they didn't have a little notepad in their their iPhone that all of a sudden that they would uh, be able to pull out and say you know what I'm going to record this message I'm going to record this cool thing I'm going to remember this they didn't have those kind of things and I don't find this in scripture I don't know that this was the case but perhaps people like Jacob that they would uh, in significant moments of their life that they would take that staff and that they would etch into that staff, those significant moments. There was something special about the staff as we read in the Old Testament, as we read uh, of people. It was more than just this uh, thing that they might walk on, right? But I, I can imagine that uh, as significant events might take place, that there might be marks and notches and all those things. And here, Jacob is gathered with his grandsons, and he is testifying and praising the goodness of God and what he's done in his life. And I, I happen to think that as he leaned on his staff and he worshiped God, that he might have looked down and he might have thought you know what here's this mark and here's this moment when I remember when little Joseph was born to to Rachel and it was this joyous moment in my life and and he he, he was this special gift that God had given to me and then here's this other place on his staff and as he looked at it and he said this is when I thought that I lost him forever and then here here's a place where I remember when when they came home and they had sent all these things and they said hey we have found Joseph and God God has used him. And now there's an abundant grain and there's a place for us. And we moved into those things. I can imagine as he looked at those moments that might have been marked on his 
staff. Man, there was significance about the staff, right? In the Exodus, the first Passover, he said, listen, you want to you be ready because you want to have your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand because there's some important things, I believe, that were there. You look at King David and, and we look in his life when he's getting ready to go out and face Goliath. The Bible says that with his staff in his hand that he went down and that he took those smooth stones. And I believe that with his staff in his hand, he was reminded of those times where when the, the bear and the lion would come after him. I love the way the scripture records it. Uh, and he says there was a time that I was tending the flock and there was a time a bear or a lion that came after him. And he said, I remember what I did because God gave me the strength. And I grabbed him and I took him by his, by his hair and I punched him in the face. That's pretty much what it says in the, that's the JKV right there version of that story. But I love that story, right? And, and here are these things. But all through the Scriptures, we see that God intended for His people to remember what He had done and to testify of the goodness and the greatness of our God, right? We need to remember what God has done in our past. We need to look back to the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need to remember what God has done in our past and see it through the lens of the big story, right? We need to do those kind of things. We need to remember what God has done in our church and what a church that we have, a church man, since the days of 1828 that God has sustained. And sometimes we wonder, hey, what's going to happen in the midst of the coronavirus and what's going to happen in the midst of these difficult times? And there's times that we wonder, you know, what is the right thing to do? What should we do in all these things? But I want to remind you that God is faithful and He is sovereign in the midst of this and He has been taking care of us since 1828 and He's not going to stop now. Can we, can we just declare that this morning? There have been many who have labored, many things that have taken place, right? Our kids need to know. Sometimes I love hearing the stories, right? And some of the, this generation, one of the blessings that you're going to have, like our grandparents would say, you know what, I remember uh, back in the day when this and this was going on and we didn't have cars and we didn't have all these things and we walked to church uphill both ways in a foot of snow, right? And, and, and now you're going to be able to say, hey, you know what, I sat in an old hot parking lot in the middle of coronavirus and I was doing all these things because our God is worthy of worship and we would do these kind of things so that we could worship our great God. See, we need to remember what God's done in our church. We need to remember what God's done in the past as we see recorded in His Word. And we need to remember what God has done in our lives, right? This is the God who created heaven and earth, the God who spoke this very world into existence, the God who loved us so much that He didn't leave us in our sin, the God who demonstrated His great love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ stepped out from the glories of heaven, that He took on flesh and He dwelt among us, that He lived the sinless life. This is the God that knew that there was nothing that you and I could ever do to keep the law. There was nothing that you and I could ever do to be good enough to be in the presence of a holy God. But in His great love, right? He demonstrated that in the sovereign plan of God as Jesus Christ Himself, God's only begotten Son, went to the cross in our place, bearing my sin and your sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. These words need to be on our lips because this is the God who not only did all those things, but who the grave could not hold. Right? Acts 2.24 says, but God raised him up again. And I love this verse, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. We need to tell those stories. Our kids need to know those stories. They need to know those things. And we need to 
remember them and we need to tell them. I can imagine when he was leaning up on that old staff and he was thinking about the greatness in the covenant that God had made with his grandfather and how God in the midst of his life and he had thought, you know what, there, there's, no, uh, there's no way that you would have ever thought if you were Jacob that you would have seen your son again, much less you would have seen him in that light. We need to remember the stories of what God has done in our life and our kids need to hear them. They need to see us be a people who demonstrate faith instead of fear. Because the truth is, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God of Joseph and the God of the Israelites. But my family needs to understand that this is the God of the Smiths. That this is... You can fill in your last name in the midst of that. The Brooks and the Davises. The Railsbacks, the Harwoods, and we could fill in every name in this parking lot. And I want my kids to know how God has blessed my life and how God has taken and the chief of all sinners and he's redeemed him and he's changed him and he's working on him. And I don't have it figured out. I'm reminded, and I just want to encourage you dads out there. Sometimes we think, you know what, have I failed too much? Have I done too much? I want to tell you something. God is working in the midst of our brokenness, and there is nothing, there is nothing that, we, uh, that we bring to this mix that allows us to be good without his presence in our lives. I want them to know that everything that they have, when they lay in their warm bed at night, that it's... God that has provided those things. We need to be like Paul in Romans 8, 28 in the midst of difficult times where we say, you know what? We don't always uh, see everything that's going on. We are not able to always see every piece of what's happening, but we know that God works all things together for good for those that love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And we say, you know what? We don't know everything about what's going on, but we know God is faithful. And we know that we're his people. We need to remember what God has done. And the second thing I want to encourage you about that thought is we need to remember where we're going because we're, we're not home yet. That's, that's what these verses tell me is that in these last moments of their life, they remembered uh, where home was. They, they had remembered God's promises. And this world is not our home. We are just passing through Jacob and Joseph, they say, hey, don't, don't leave my bones here. Don't bury me here. I, I want to be buried in the promised land with my fathers. And, and I want you to know, we look at this graveyard up on the hill, but I want to tell you something, that, that graveyard is not our final home. And there's going to be a day uh, when, when, when those graves burst open, right? When There's going to be a day when there's a resurrection, and we're going to be restored, and we're going to see those kind of things. This world is not our home. And when I think about that, I'm reminded of what Jacob and Joseph desired. They desired uh, to be in that promised land. And so I want to encourage you, number four, the final thing, we want to think about his promises, but we want to persevere. So can we, can we, can we be encouraged that the God who has saved us will allow us and help us and see that we persevere? He who began a good work in us will see it through into the day of completion in Christ Jesus. We need to finish well living here, but at the same time looking there. That's what I'm challenged by. We're not promised tomorrow. And we sometimes think a lot about what tomorrow is going to look like. But I want to encourage you to live today. And whenever you finish, 
If you'll live today, if we will embrace that and say, you know what, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know uh, how many days that I'll have. You know, I had a, the blessing of, of getting up this morning, my kids, uh, you know, just loving on me and, and doing great, nice things for me. And I think of those moments. I don't know what tomorrow will hold, but I know that I have these moments. And if we'll live well in these moments, then we will always finish well. You know, sometimes we think about the, the failures, and if we look at Jacob's life, and, and if we had everything about our life published that we could read, we could find a whole lot of failures in our life. And we think about some of the places that he blew it, and we think about every person here, we can look at that. But here is a man who ended up in the faith chapter of the Bible. And I'm reminded that our great God takes a long look at a man's life. There are moments that if I look at those moments in my life, especially in those moments, I would have thought that I was done. And I would have thought that I was too far to, to come back from. I would have thought that, that there was nothing that could have changed those circumstances. And there are so many of you that may think the same way. But I want to remind you that God takes a long look at a man's life. You know, as we were walking through the book of James, I think it's verse 12, James 1. It says, blessed is a man who perseveres under a trial. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Finish well. No matter where you're at today, no matter what situation you're in, no matter, there, there are people that are in so many different circumstances. Some of you may say, you know what, I don't have children. Some of you might say, you know what, I am a, a child. Some of you may have all kind of different things that you could fill in the blank to. But I want to encourage you from today, wherever you're at, to say, you know what, I'm going to live today and I'm going to always finish well. And the truth is, this life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I was talking to Jack Dillard Sr. yesterday and as I was talking to him, I, it was his 90, it was his 92nd or 90, 92nd birthday yesterday. And as I was talking to him and he was sharing just of the goodness and the greatness of God. I was I can almost picture him, you know, through the phone, leaning up on his staff, blessing his children and talking about how God had blessed him. And as he prayed for me, I was thinking about this moment, and I could almost just see that, and I thought, you know what? And I want to finish well. And I want to be someone who finishes well. May our perspective be shaped by the promises of God, because, church, we are not home yet. You know, the, there's a proverb, it's, I think it's a Chinese proverb, I'm not sure where it all came from, but it, it says something that was neat, and we looked at it early in this year as we thought about this 5% life that we were leaning into and this desire to start every day as we worship God, this desire that we had to do daily devotions as we walk through the scriptures together, and I love and appreciate how much you are embracing that. You can watch a daily devotion every day, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, from one of our staff as we just dig in the Word of God. You can see those reading plans online, those devotions are on Facebook, in the app, on the website, so many places. But, you know, we, we see all those things. And there was a statement that we included in that, and it basically said this, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And I love that thought, right, because it's hard sometimes to figure out how we end up in all these things, and sometimes life can be overwhelming and 
But I want to ask you today, what is your one step? Maybe when you think about your relationships with your family, it may be that, you know, I, I can imagine when they'd pick up Joseph's old bones and they'd begin to carry them and they'd move around and they're dealing with this and the exodus and all that. I, I can imagine every time they picked him up, they said, you know what, that's a forgiven man right there. You remember what he did? You remember how he lived? And there was something about his life that carried on. And in the book of Hebrews, it wasn't this is who Joseph was. And this is all that he had done. And this is all. There was nothing about that that gave him any praise. But in the midst of the book of Hebrews, it said this is who our great God is. And these people, they were looking to the promised land. They were looking beyond these moments. And these people, they were believing. And even in Joseph's death, he was proclaiming, hey, there's going to be a day that God's going to deliver. Us. And he didn't have a full picture and understanding of all that we do now. But we have experienced that day where God has, through the cross of Christ, delivered us from sin. And we look at this. What is our first step? It may be that our first step is to trust in the finished work of the cross. And if you've never been saved, if you've never been born again and trusted Jesus for salvation, that is your first step. And without that step, there is nothing else that can change anything. Because the truth is, we can't change ourselves. Only God can change us. It's only Christ on the inside that can transform us on the outside. But maybe in your family, maybe your first step is to say, you know what? Christ has forgiven me for much greater things than I could ever forgive those that are around me. Maybe there's somebody in the parking lot that has had just a difficult time in their family and maybe there's separation or difficulty and say, you know what? Today's the day I'm going to choose to forgive. Whatever it is, may we allow the gospel to be the lens that we look at life through. That we may live out of an overflow of the grace that's been extended to us. Jacob was a mess. There were a lot of mistakes that he had made. A lot of problems. But God sums up his life. And he says, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on his staff. We see the beginning of Genesis with a garden. We see the fall of humanity. We see the end of Genesis with a burial. We see the effects of sin. But we see God's redeeming work. God's salvation plan and God's sovereignty. All beautifully displayed in the midst. And because of that, we can... Hold on to the promises of God and we can trust in faith. And we can live our life no matter what mistakes and what things that, that were there. We can live our life and say, you know what? From this moment forward, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to bless my children. I'm going to do things that will, that will express the life that's been changed by the greater story, the story of grace that we read about. In the scripture, I want to invite you just to, to bow your head for just a moment. We're going to close together in prayer. and Miss Kelly's going to come and just share a couple of things as I finish. But I want to invite you. If you've never trusted Christ, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're listening online and you say, you know what? I, I've been walking through life in my own strength been trying to trying to do it all on my own. I've been trying to live my life in such a way that, that somehow I felt like if the things that I did good were 
maybe outweighing or greater than the things that I did bad, that somehow that would be good enough to be in God's presence. But what we see is there, there is nothing that we could never be good enough. The scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight, that the very best of what we could offer, the very best of the way that we could live is not good enough, that we could never live our lives good enough to be in the presence of a holy God, that we are sinners by nature and by choice, and that we are separated because of our sin. But thanks be to God that through the cross of Christ, he has made a way for us to receive forgiveness and grace, for us to be restored into the family of God by faith. It was by faith that that, that Joseph and Jacob, and it was by faith that Abraham, and as we read about all of those people, it was by faith that they were, uh, were, were able to partake in the promises of God. It was by faith that they trusted even in the midst of the brokenness of the world that they found themselves in, and they continued to look toward a promised land. And it is by faith this morning that you and I can put our uh, trust in Jesus Christ, not in our own works, not in anything that we have done, but in the works of our great God revealed uh, so beautifully as, as we see God's uh, justice and God's mercy and God's wrath all intersect at the cross as Jesus takes on all of our sin, all of our shame, and he pays our price so that we could be forgiven and we by faith Scripture says that it is by grace that we are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God, I pray, Lord, that you will gift us this morning. God, people, under the sound of my voice with, uh, God, just faith to believe, Lord, that you might stir in our hearts, God, a, a drawing, Lord, that we might respond in faith. If you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, I pray that in this moment you would call upon his name that you would cry out to a holy God, that you would confess that you were a sinner in need of his grace and recognizing there is nothing that you could do to earn your salvation, but that it has been paid for with the precious blood of Christ and that you believe. Maybe that would be the cry of your heart this morning, just to say, I believe. Call on his name. Scripture says that, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, that means he's in charge and not us. And believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. And so maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice in this parking lot. But I want to encourage you to call on his name, to allow him to change you, to save you, to transform you from the inside out. And that your story might be a story of grace. A story that would say by faith, Jason, even after doing all these things and going the wrong direction, trusted Jesus by faith and was restored and redeemed. Would you believe by faith this morning in the promises of God? Lord, I pray, God, for every voice that God is watching now. God, for every, uh, every person that is under the sound of my voice, Lord, those that will be watching later, Lord, if there's never been a time in their life where they have surrendered their life to you and just believed by faith in the finished work of the cross, in their place, Lord, that today would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you. God, I pray for every person, Lord, here that, God, that, that knows you already, Lord, that has surrendered their life to you, that has been saved by your grace. Lord, we have a story to tell. Lord, help us to testify. Lord, help us to declare, God, to be a people that from this day until the last day that we would be found worshiping you, Lord. And in our last days, may we be leaning on our staff and proclaiming blessing and grace to all those around. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your great love for us. And Lord, we ask for your blessing and your favor, Lord, and your strength for us all. God, thank you for dads. Thank you for those that are struggling today because they've lost a father, Lord. And they're, God, we pray, Lord, that you would give strength to them today, Lord, and that we could all hold on, Lord, to the promises that this life is not the end, Lord, that we are not home yet. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.